Good morning, WCF. How are you doing this morning? Hey, we're going to worship God. If you guys could stand to your feet, that would be awesome. We worship the God who was. We worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. We open the ears and doors. We fight in the raging sea. My God, He holds a victory. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your prayer. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your prayer. We sing to the God who heals. We sing to the God who stays. We sing to the God who always takes away. As He hung up on that cross and rose up from that grave, my God still holds His stones away. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. We won't be quiet. We shout out Your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. 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 We were the beggars. Now we're royalty. We were the prisoners. Now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. We were the beggars. Now we're royalty. We were the prisoners. Now we're running free. We are forgiven. Accepted, redeemed by His grace, let the house of the Lord sing praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. 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 Amen. All right. Good morning. Hey, if you guys could say hi to somebody next to you or across the room. If you're not lazy, just go across the room. It's cool. If you can. Pray as the ushers come forward for this morning's offering. As we worship through giving, it's what we do as we acknowledge God as the giver of life and all these things. It's a way that we can worship Him by giving God the first fruits of that which He has given to us. 
God, we thank you for all that you've provided. You're amazing and kind. Lord, we would ask this morning that you would help us to set aside the cares of the week and the cares of the day and acknowledge your presence. And we do that even through giving and acknowledging your provision. By giving, Lord, we say thank you for what you've given to us. And these resources, may they be used for your kingdom's sake, to build your kingdom and to establish a witness in this world in South Columbia County all the way out. Lord, we surrender our hearts to you as we want to be in your presence in Jesus' name. Amen. For creation suddenly articulate with a thousand tongues to lift one cry. Then from no to sound and east to west we hear Christ be His name was first from sea and sky, from rivers to the mountaintops, we hear Christ be Just a doorway to resurrection. Life. 
Just as I am. 
so much for causing us so many different times in our life to come running to you, the only source of hope, the only source of truth. God, we're rebels, we're sinners, we're depraved, we're messed up, God. We need your love, we need your grace, we need your truth to change us. So God, I pray this morning that, Lord, you would do that work in all of our hearts, God, that you would open all of our hearts to hear what you have to say. For those that are in the room, God, that that have been wanting to know you, God, open their hearts. For those that are in the room, Lord, that have been rebelling, God, open their hearts. For those that are in the room, God, that, that love you, Jesus, and we're just ready for more truth, Lord, open our hearts, God, to hear what you have to say through your word. We give you this time, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, a few weeks ago, we began a study. And in the sermon series called Truth Matters. And really taking a look at um, what that looks like. And the question that I posed to you then and I posed to you again is, does truth matter? And the answer is what? Yes. Yeah, it does. It does matter. Absolutely. And we looked at the origin of truth, God being the origin of truth. But one of the things why we understand that truth matters is because truth will set you free. Deception and lies create a bondage to this lie, to this deception that's going to keep you there. One of the things that it sets you free from is the wrath of God. Not a lot of churches these days will speak of the wrath of God. It's not a popular subject. People don't want to want to know about the wrath of God. What they want to do is they want to they want to hear the fluffy. They want to hear the warm, fuzzy make me feel good kind of thing within this. And so the challenge is this, when the church speaks of the truth of God and that the truth will set you free from the wrath of God, the world wants to silence that truth. They want you to remain under that bondage because we know the prince of the power of the air wants you destroyed. Satan is keeping the truth from you because he wants you to die in your sin. And, and, and that's a reality that we have to address within this. As the world seeks to silence the, the truth, they're really seeking to silence the church. Why? Because the church is the caretaker of the truth. The church is the caretaker of God's world, word. And within that, the other thing that the world wants to silence the church on and silence the truth is because... 
the truth of God's Word doesn't validate the sinner's life. The, the truth of God's Word puts a mirror up in front of the sinner to say, this is what you really look like. This is really what you're doing. But if I don't have that mirror in front of me, then I can continue in my behavior and my actions. And so the sinner then, when confronted with the truth, enters into a deep conflict. And the conflict that happens is, do I continue in my lifestyle or do I change my lifestyle? The other part of the conflict is this is that the sinner that is under control of sin, that is under judgment and all of these, these things and, and led by the flesh, is actually blinded by the truth. Or, I'm sorry, blinded by their sin, and they can't see the truth. So, when you're talking with somebody about the truth of God's Word and they have that deer-in-the-headlight look, it's because they can't see it, because the sin has blinded them to their condition within this. Here's the real danger. The sinner that is blinded to the truth will be lost in the darkness of their sin and remain in that condition because they continue to reject the truth. The truth is, sin separates you from God. That is the truth. That's why Jesus had to come and die on the cross to pay the penalty for that sin to give you new life, to, to remove that which separates you from God within this. But rejecting that truth leaves you in a place of judgment. God is a holy God and wants to be in relationship with you. But as holy God, He also has to judge sin. And so the conflict that happens is this. If I reject the very God that is going to bring truth into my life and I reject all of these things, then I remain in my condition, blinded to my actions, blinded to the judgment that is going to come. And it will come. It places us in a position where God has to judge us. So, last, or actually not last week because we were all at home, <laughs> two weeks ago, we studied what is the nature of truth. We wanted to establish what is the source for truth. And we learned it is God Himself. God Himself is the source of truth, and truth became incarnate in the person of Jesus Christ. John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way and the what? Truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Within that understanding... There are two distinct groups of people in the world today. There are those that love the truth, God, and those that hate the truth, God. So you're either a lover of God or you're a hater of God. Those that love God and love the truth, who is God, are set free from judgment. So understand this. If you're a Christ follower, if you love God, you will never be judged. Ever. But if you hate the truth, by extension you're hating God, then you'll be in judgment from a holy God. You're refusing the very truth that God has given to you to bring you out of that condition of judgment. God is bringing people out of that condition of judgment. But He only does it one way. And that's through the presentation of truth His Son Jesus. 
and the truth that, that we're all sinners. And the truth is that God has extended great grace to sinners to pay the penalty for their sin freely if you'll place your faith and trust in Jesus alone. Not in your works, not in a world system. Surrender your life and, and, and say, yeah, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And you'll be set free from that judgment. The problem is, people want to remove God and they want to remove Jesus and they want to remove all of these things from their life and then they end up st- stuck in their condition of judgment. And they're like, well, why aren't things going well? Why am I struggling? Well, you're removing the very truth of God's Word from your life. And so, you get what you get. And don't throw a fit, as a friend of mine once said. The other part is this. There are voices in this world system that are intentionally seeking to deceive you. To rewrite new narratives. I was appalled by something that I saw on Amazon Prime. Some of you that pay attention to the news will recognize this. There is a, uh, an adult cartoon version that is going on that actually is presenting Lucifer as a good guy. That the angels of heaven misunderstood him because he was a prankster. And the elders of heaven rejected him and cast him out. And Adam and Eve were given their place in the garden. But Adam was a a very abusive husband to Eve. And so Lucifer came in this storyline to help Eve out and to give her some freedom from her abusive husband so that she could be the woman that she should be and gave her the apple. Is that truth or lie? But they're promoting this thing as, as a satire on the Bible and rewriting. Now, if somebody doesn't know the Bible, what are they going to do? They're going to question God. They're going to be deceived. And we have stuff like that all the time coming around us. That's why we need to know the truth within this. Paul warns the church, as we're going to see in our text today, don't let anyone deceive you or follow their deceptions. Why? Because the end of that deception is destruction. And there's many other things that Satan is using to bring deception into our lives. And, and it's disturbing. Very disturbing. And he's been doing it for a really long time. The church in Thessalonica that we're going to be taking a look at was very disturbed because deceivers had come in and given them letters saying that the day of the Lord had already come and you missed the boat. And they were disturbed by these letters of deception that are there. But in this, we're going to see, really, and and it's my hope that we will see where we've been deceived Have we been deceived? Are we still living under a deception? And not be disturbed when it comes about because God's going to judge the deceiver. So I'm going to ask that you stand as we give uh, preference to God's Word as we read 2 Thessalonians 1, 1 through 15. It says this, And now we request you, brethren... 
with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, that you not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by his spirit or a message or a letter as if from us to the effect that the day of the Lord is come. Let no one in any way deceive you. For it will not come unless the apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God and object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. Do you not remember that while I was still with you, I was telling you these things, and you know what restrains him now, so that in his time he will be revealed. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then that lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. That is, the one coming is in accord with the activity of Satan, with all power and signs and false wonders, and with all deceptions of wickedness for those who perish. Because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. For this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false. In order that they all may be judged who did not believe the truth, but took pleasure in wickedness. But we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and faith and truth. It was for this He called you through our gospel, that you may gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brethren, stand firm. Hold to the traditions which you were taught, whether by word of mouth or by letter from us. May God bless the reading of His Word. And be seated. So, Paul's first admonition in this letter is, don't be deceived within this. He says, now, brethren, we request, with regard to the coming of the Lord, that you not be quickly shaken or moved. If you're standing firm on the truth of God's Word, and you check everything through God's Word, you're not going to be deceived. But if you're weak in the Word of God, you will be deceived. It's easily to be shaken. He's talking to people that are spiritually immature that are in this. So there are some reports in verses 1 and 2 that he says there's some reports that you've been getting some words, some letters, some false messages that are there that the day of the Lord had come. Well, what's the day of the Lord? Joel speaks of the day of the Lord as the judgment day. The day of the Lord is when the judgment day comes and the church was there. Now, we know based on our studies that the church is, is not going to be judged, that the wrath of God is not to be poured out on those whom he loves within this. But the church was really concerned and they were confused. They were quickly shaken. In fact, the text literally says, and, and don't be shaken, it says, don't lose your mind over this. You're, you, you're losing your mind. I know a lot of believers today, they're looking at the signs of the times and they're looking at what's going on with Israel and Gaza and all of the things and the wars in China and Russia and Ukraine and all of these things, and they're losing their mind. I got one word for you, actually, too. Stop it. Why? It's all part of God's plan. 
You're good. All of these things are going to be happening according to God's plan. But God's got you within this. But the problem was there were false reports by false teachers that say that were undermining the teaching that had already taken place. And so they were coming to the church and the church was losing their mind that, that the day of the Lord has come. We missed the rapture. We're in the tribulation period now. Now, I know you guys might think that you're in the tribulation period, but you're not. You're not. But persecution does not equate to the tribulation period. Guys, we're studying it on Wednesday morning. It's going to get a whole lot worse. And if you've been part of our study on Wednesday morning, guys, are we going to be here? No, we're not going to be here during the tribulation. We're not going to be here. God's going to take us out. The topics of the letters of the false teachers is that the coming of the Lord has come. The gathering already happened and you're going to have to go through the tribulation. And I can tell you this. I don't want to go through the tribulation. God promises that the church will not go through the tribulation. That we will be saved from it. And if you study the Word of God, you can look at how bad it's going to get. The end of days. And we know that God's going to take us home. But what really is at the basis of the deception? It goes all the way back to Genesis. When Satan came and said... Did God really say? See, when you come and you challenge the authority of the Word of God, did God really say, it opens a crack and creates a crevice by which Satan can insert a deception and insert a lie. If you would, turn over in your Bibles to Mark chapter 13, verses 4 through 19. Jesus addresses this a bit. And he gives a chronological timeline. You know, God is a God of order. And in his order, he sets down markers to watch, to know what's going to happen. So that he would not leave us to to deceptions or false teachings. And it's rather long, but in Mark 13, verses 14 through 19, Jesus addresses, he says, But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where it should not be, let the reader understand, then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. The one who is on the housetop must not go down or go to get anything out of his house. And the one who is in the field must not turn back to get his coat. But woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing babes in those days. But pray that it does not happen in the winter. For those days will be a time of tribulation such as not occurred since the beginning of creation, which God created until now and never will be. How intense will this tribulation period be? More intense than we've ever seen before. The message that Jesus was giving to was specifically to the Jews. And he says, when you see the abomination that makes desolate, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, and who is that? That's the Antichrist. What is the Antichrist going to do? He's going to set himself up in the temple, he's going to stop the sacrifice, and he's going to declare himself to be God. Question, church, is the temple built right now? No. So if there's no temple, then the Antichrist can't stop 
the sacrifice. Is the sacrifice going on right now? The answer is what? No. So don't be shaken by what's going on in the world. And don't listen to these deceivers that come about. Now, to the church in Thessalonica, there was the temple that was there. There were some of the things. This is, the temple hadn't fallen yet. And they were being moved. But he says, look at the markers. Look at what God has given to you as the chronological markers. If you study the book of Revelation, study it chronologically. That is the way it is written. That's the way it should be studied. It's not allegorical in a sense of the timeline. When we take a look at this. But keep in mind, the rapture is not the focus of Paul's message. It's the day of the Lord. So if he's not focusing on the rapture, why is he focusing on the day of the Lord? Because the day of the Lord is the judgment. It's that judgment piece. And the church was suffering in persecution. Great persecution. Were they in tribulation? Yes. The great tribulation? No. Not at this time. And so within this, they were suffering at this time. But we got to understand that these are all things that build up to that. Mark 13, 7 says this, When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be frightened, for those things must take place. But that's not the end yet. So don't be disturbed by what you see on the news. In fact, in a, in a kind of interesting way, you can celebrate that because that's one day closer to God taking us out. But he's going to take you out in the rapture so that you will not have to go through the great tribulation, so that you're not going to have to stand in judgment. Why? Because you've, your sins have already been judged at the cross. You've already been set free from that. The day of the Lord is the day when God judges the ungodly. And so the problem was that they were being alarmed within this. There were people coming with a prophetic word or a prophetic teaching. Even letters that were, that were coming around. Letters from Gnostics that were coming around and discrediting the teaching of Paul and some of the apostles. Later on in, this, in 1 Thessalonians, he says this, 1 Thessalonians 5, 21-22, but examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every evil. Be a student of God's Word. And examine everything carefully from everybody, including myself. If you hear something from me and it causes you pause or question, study it. Look at it. Meet with me and say, Carrie, help me understand this. You know, I'm not perfect. But within this, I study God's Word. But understand this also. God's Word is the authority. Not any pastor, person, or prophet. It's the Word of God. And you've got to come down to that. Satan is a deliverer of deceptions. And false and he's good. You know, he, he's had a long time to practice. And he knows how to deceive. And these false teachers were coming with a deceiving spirit. Creating anxiety. Among the people within this. And as the Gnostics were saying, the day of the Lord had come. They, they were deceivers. In fact, Paul said this to Timothy, in 2 Timothy, here's a marker. 2 Timothy 2.18 Men who have gone astray from the truth, saying the resurrection has already taken place, and they've upset 
the faith of some. Paul said to Timothy, in his day there were people running around saying the rapture had already come. So you've got to understand, this has been a battle that, that the church has fought for a long time. This challenge of this. So he says to the church, there's going to be some visible events, markers. What should you look for? so that you're not so easily deceived. In verses 3 through 4, he says, Let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come unless apostasy comes first. The man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God, object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. Abomination and desolation has to take place. That's a marker within this. Prior to the day of the Lord within this. So first, a great apostasy will take place. Second, the restrainer is removed because this lawless one is revealed. Who is the restrainer as we'll read? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is that which restrains. When we take a look at, at um, how God is working with judgment, understand this. God's hand is... Holding back what Satan wants to do. Destroy. And so what God will do in judgment is he will slowly remove his hand that is withholding and restraining the work of Satan and his judgment. He's going to pull it off. And as he pulls it off, it's going to get worse. But something has to take place first. The Holy Spirit has to be removed. Where does the Holy Spirit reside? Within the believers. Within the church, Jesus said, I go, but I will send you a helper, paraclete, Holy Spirit, that will dwell among you, within you. Holy Spirit has to be taken out of the world, which, and it's a further study, and again, this is not a study on the rapture of the church, but understand the timeline, the restrainer has to be taken out of the world so that the lawless one would have access without restraint in the world. And understand that. And so the phrase, it will come, again, not in the original text, but it's implied, setting this priority events, the rebellion. The word for rebellion there is epistemi. It's apostasy. We have a lot of people that are leaving the church, but it's not going to be like this. It's going to be worse. And we're seeing great apostasy and rebellion against God increase, aren't we? We see it in our world today. Is apostasy against God increasing? Yes. Is, is rebellion against God increasing? Absolutely. And so these things are slowly warming up. Paul would write to Timothy again in 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. But the Spirit explicitly says that in later times, note, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits, doctrines of demons, by means of hypocrisy of liars, seared their hearts in their own conscience as with a branding iron. Men who forbid in marriage, is that happening today? Advocate for abstaining from foods, this is dietary issues, which God has created to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, nothing is to be rejected, and it is to be received with gratitude for it's sanctified by means of the word of God and prayer. So what's going to happen? Legalism is going to come into play. They're going to forbid in marriage. And they're going to abstain from foods. 
And they're going to say, well, you know, I don't know. You can't eat meat anymore, which would be really a bad thing. But it was really about more about the legalism and, and this idea that you would be more holy by abstaining from these things within this. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5 says this, as Paul would write to Timothy again. But realize this, that in the last days and difficult times, note, and listen to his list, or look at it on, on, on the screen. For men will be lovers of self. Is that happening? Lovers of money. Boastful and arrogant. Revilers. Disobedient to parents. Is that happening today? Ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied the power. Avoid such men as these. How was people in Paul's day? Look at how bad it is now. Church, pay attention to the Word of God and look at what's going on because this is where deceivers want to take you. So, so globally, it'll be a, a culture like that. And God says when the time comes, He's going to remove the restrainer. That is the Holy Spirit because God's people are not destined to destruction. Your sins have been paid for. The ungodly who do not trust in God will be destroyed, will be judged. And so within this, the son of destruction opposes everything of God as within this. And he sets himself up in worship. And as I alluded to it here in Daniel chapter 11, 36 and 37, it says this. And then the king will do as he pleases and he will exalt and magnify himself above every god and will speak monstrous things against the God of gods. And he will prosper until the indignation is finished. Wrath. For that which is decreed will be done. And he will show no regard for the gods of his fathers. Or for the desire of women. Nor will he show regard for any other God. For he will magnify himself above them all. There's the character traits of the Antichrist. Don't be deceived. Now, is that person present? He's not in power right now. But the culture that affirms that kind of behavior is already present within that. So we know we're close. We're just not there yet. So don't be moved. Satan's whole desire is to be acknowledged as God instead of God. Within this. And he'll take the seat, the high seat in God's temple, creating this abomination that makes desolate. This is a clear marker. God doesn't leave us guessing. So if someone comes and says, hey, look at, you know, this person, this political leader is the Antichrist. Okay, you think he is. How does he measure up by what God says? Check it. Check it against the list. In Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, it says this, And he will make a firm covenant with the many for one week. Literally seven years. But in the middle of the week, that seven-year period, will put a stop to sacrifice, grain offering, 
And on a wing of abomination will come one who makes desolate, even until a complete destruction, one that is decreed, is poured out on the one who makes desolate. In other words, in this time, there is going to be a leader that stands up and says, I'm going to make an agreement with anybody, everybody. And he's going to bring peace. As we look at the temperature of the world today, it's heating up. And if someone comes in and deceives the world and brings world peace, you better watch out. And he's going to control world grain, world foods, all of these different things that are there. Now, was there someone similar to this that did create an abomination that made desolate? Yes. In what's called the intertestamental period, in between Malachi and Matthew, there was a guy by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes that had come in, and he had created an abomination of desolate. He had slaughtered pigs and did pig blood and, and made the priest drink of the blood and, and such things that are all part of this. A few years before that, there was a guy by the name of Caligula that also declared himself to be God. So there's been some, some warm-ups, some people that have, have done this, but not to the extent of the Antichrist. That'll be in, in that place. So what does Paul say? Remember what you've been taught. Remember what you've been taught. You want to avoid anxiety over this? Bury yourself in the Word of God because it's going to be the truth that helps you to stand firm. Verses 5 through 10, he says this, And with all deceptions of the wickedness, those who perished, those who did not receive, note, the love of truth so as to be saved. Who are the ones that will be deceived? Verse 10 says very clearly, the ones that will be deceived are the ones who did not receive the love of truth. How do you receive the love of truth? You receive the love of truth in Jesus Christ. You're deceived if you don't have the love of truth. He says, the love of truth so as to be saved. Be understanding about this. This is not intellectual truth. This is spiritual truth. It's this love of spiritual truth that has the end result of salvation. If you have not received that, you're open to deception. But those that receive the love of truth as to be saved will not be deceived. Why? Because the spirit of truth resides in you. That brings about the check. We know that there is an apostasy that will take place. Why? Because those that should have the love of truth within them didn't receive it. This Antichrist will come on board and they'll believe it. Why? Because they haven't received the love of truth. But there will come a time when the Holy Spirit is removed, the Spirit of truth removed, and all those with Him, leaving everyone else in the world exposed to lies. Why? Because the Spirit is not within them to hear that. And he'll take this place, his place. And so this mystery that we see, and, and again, we don't totally get it, but, but within this we understand that we're close. 
John would write in 1 John 2.18, Children, it's the last hour. Just as you've heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now, note, many Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that, the, that it's the last hour. In other words, it's a warm-up. But we also understand that we don't have to worry. Why? Because you're in the first class of people. Those that have received the spirit of truth and the love of truth unto salvation. Now the challenge is, if you're here and you're listening to this and you're not in that class, you better pay attention. And you've got to understand, apart from the spirit of God dwelling in you, you already stand in judgment. And in danger of that destruction that is there. Now we know that it's a limited time. The rule of the Antichrist is going to be very limited. How do we know that? Revelation chapter 19 verse 11 says, And I saw heaven open. Behold, a white horse. He who sat on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and wages war. Verse 15. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron, and he treads the winepress and the fierce wrath of God and Almighty. In other words, it is limited. We know that this guy is only going to have free reign for seven years. And for three and a half years, there is going to be hell on earth as God is taking his hand off and allowing judgment to, to go as part of his wrath. He says, you don't want me? Fine. You don't, you don't want the love of truth that unto salvation? Fine. You get what you get. I'm going to take my hand off. Only for a short time. And then I'm coming. And Jesus will come and He will judge. Why? Because He is the truth. But the one that loves the truth doesn't need to fear. Don't be afraid. God's got you within this. Verses 11 to 15 it, it affirms that. He says, For this reason... God will send upon them a deluding influence that they believe what is false in order that they all may be judged. Note, who did not believe the truth and who took pleasure in wickedness. God says, you want it? I'm going to give you over to it. One of the things, and you say, well, how is that loving? You know, there's a loving aspect of, of giving your kids what they really want, but what they don't need, just so that they'll learn how bad it really is, so that they'll learn to listen. In this age of grace, sometimes God will give us over to our sins so we will understand how bad it really is, so that we can turn away from it. Now, can you be saved during the tribulation period? The answer is yes, you can God will leave witnesses, 144,000 for sure. Plus, we have two other witnesses that are going to be there, but it reverts to Old Testament style of salvation. So can you be saved during the tribulation? Yes. God will give them over to the deluding where they're in that place and they're going to go, this is really bad. I should have listened, but I didn't. And now I've got to trust that God is going to save me and stand against this evil, but it's going to cost me my life, and it does. And we know that there are, there are many tribulation saints, people that get saved under the tribulation, and as we've said, they go under the altar of God, and again, that's another study in itself. What's well, a heavy, heavy message? Because eternity is at stake within this. God gives the condemned over to their unbelief. He says, you don't want to believe? Fine. 
I'll give it to you. In this, Paul refers to this kind of attitude in Romans chapter 1, verse 25, where he says, For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Are there people right now exchanging the truth of God for lies? Sure there is. Absolutely. And unbelief is their rebellion within this. We know that because Israel rejected the Messiah. Their unbelief of Jesus as Messiah brought about the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. We know that God's grace is sufficient, though, because Israel's back in the land and he's leaving a witness. And so now the Gentiles are now witnessing to the Jews, and we have many, many Jews coming to faith because of that grace. It's all about bringing the truth. So he says this. Stand firm. Verses 13 to 15. But we, and it's important to pay attention to pronouns because previously he says they, but now he says we. He includes himself. But we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit of God in faith and truth. How do I know that God's got me? Right there. Not that you chose God. God chose you. From the beginning of salvation. To keep you. To hold you. To carry you through. Set apart for a holy purpose, sanctification, by the Spirit of God that dwells in you. So when all these rumors come... Don't lose your mind. The truth is, God's got you. But if you do not have the spirit of truth within you, you better lose your mind now. And then get your mind back when you ask God, make me right. Bring me to the knowledge of truth. Surrendering yourself. You've got to wake up and look and see what God said. He says this in verse 14, For it was this He called you, what? Salvation, through the gospel, is the means of salvation, that you may may gain the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is our transformation into heaven. So then, brethren, stand firm. Hold to the tradition which you were taught. Meaning, hold to the Word of God. Stand firm, because you're loved. 1 Thessalonians 5.9 says this, For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let that soak for a minute. God has not destined you to wrath. Why? Because the wrath of God was already put upon His Son Jesus at the cross. I guess it's kind of the basic law of double jeopardy. God's not going to judge your sin on you because He already judged it on Jesus. God has not destined you to wrath. But He has destined you to obtain salvation. That's the path. So when the world's going to hell in a handbasket, don't lose your mind. Relax. God's got this. But if you have not trusted the truth of God or loved the truth of God to be saved, be afraid. Be very afraid. 
Because judgment day is coming and no one survives it apart from being in Christ. It is a challenge. I know a lot of people today are being shaken. The cure for anxiety is being deeply ingrained in the Word of God, the truth of God's Word, that holds you, that protects you, that keeps you, and will guide you. My encouragement to you this morning is this. If you're a Christ follower and you're scared of the world events, stop it. Stand on the Word of God. Declare it publicly. It's easy as a believer to become disheartened by the world situation. I get it. I understand it. But that's part of the deception. To try to get believers to be afraid. So don't be disturbed by the world situation. And don't be disturbed by deceivers. Be able to call out the liars. Remember what you've been taught and stand firm. God's going to deal with those that reject Him. But understand this. Anyone who refuses to love the truth, they're in danger. It's a bad, bad go. I want to pray for you. And, and in this time, we're going we're gonna to have a time of, of prayer. We're actually going to end with two songs. The first song really is... A, a, a call to your heart. Maybe this morning you've been disturbed by the things that are going on. Maybe this morning you find yourself away from God. Maybe this morning you're, you have great anxiety because of the world situation. Or maybe this morning you understand that you've been deceived by Satan and you want to come back to him. This first song is a meditative song. It's a response song. Let's pray. God, I thank You. I thank You that we can come to this place. We can study Your Word, which is truth, and it's the truth that sets us free. Lord, I'm not so naive to, to think that every person in this room has a perfect life. In fact, I know they don't. And I know that there is fear and anxiety that is driving the world and the world system and society today. And it's infected the church. Lord, I pray that by the power of your spirit, you would do a work even now. God, that you would be in that place of, of mending hearts and fixing hearts. God, you tell us to come you, to cast all our cares upon you because you care for us. Lord, I pray that that would take place even this morning. I'm going to invite anyone this morning that is struggling with fear, anxiety, Things that are holding them back. Things that, that maybe lies they've been told. Maybe they're just, maybe you're just down and out. I'm going to ask that you do something as an act of faith. 
that you come up here to the steps during this song. If God prompts your heart, not for show, but if God prompts your heart as an act of faith, and spend some time during this song just praying to God, asking Him to set you free. That you would come to this altar figuratively. Maybe confess a deception you've been told or believed in. Maybe confess an anxiety that has bound you into the concept of that you're being judged by God. As God moves on your heart, I'm going to ask that you, again, you can do that. You can do it right where you're at. That's fine. I know we have a couple of elders in the room. I'll ask that uh, in that case we would just come and stand with them and pray with them. If anyone comes forward. This is your time before God. Bye. 
now we pray for those that are up here and those that are in the seats. Lord, I pray that you would open the eyes of their understanding, that God, you would bring healing to them, that Holy Spirit, you would fall fresh upon them. And God, as people have been praying throughout this room and and even perhaps online, that you would hear their cry, that you would hear their prayer, that you would answer that prayer. Holy Spirit, you come upon them, fill them to know the truth, that the truth would set them free. May they be lovers of the truth, that truth that brings them to salvation. And Father, as we celebrate that, that salvation even now, we pray that you would build into our life that full assurance of knowing that we are children of the Most High. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one. 
Thank you that you give us truth. 
May you continue to open our eyes to your truth and your truth alone. That you would blind our eyes to the deceptions of the world and deafen our ears to the lies of Satan. That we would lead forth a life of confidence and assurity knowing that you've got us. Until that day you call us home. May everything we say and do make you smile. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen Amen and praise Jesus. Thanks for joining us in the study of God's Word with Pastor Kerry Wacker. We'd love to have you join us in person for worship each Sunday morning at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. We also meet Wednesday nights at 630 p.m. Warren Community Fellowship is located at 56523 Columbia River Highway in Warren, Oregon, between Scappoose and St. Helens. For more information about Warren Community Fellowship or about WCF Ministries, call us at 503-397-4387. And don't forget to like us on Facebook.